Welcome to Trevecca Community Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope this resource draws you closer to God and helps you grow in your faith. Join us this Sunday as Pastor Shauna brings us a message from Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through chapter 13, verse 10. bring new wine, break new ground, new life. Did you hear those words? In the crushing and the pressing. It's been one year now, Trevecca Community Church. One year of the pressing and the crushing of pandemic. We passed that milestone now. Do you believe today that God is bringing new life? We're going to take a moment of just silence, of honoring all that God has done and and also of honoring all that we have lost. There has been great loss in this last year. And so let's take a moment of silence and quiet knowing that God is still God in the pandemic. Jesus, bring new wine out of this crushing and this pressing. We're getting ready in just a moment to receive our tithes and offerings. And as we do, I'm reflecting on this season of Lent, this season where we are sacrificing, we are following Jesus to the cross, we are turning our face to the cross with Jesus and preparing for Easter Sunday morning. It feels like we've lived in Lent for a year now. But this season is a season of Lent where we prepare ourselves. And I just want to say a word about the coming Easter Sunday. Does anybody feel like we really need to celebrate this Easter? Like we need to celebrate the hope that we have in Jesus? That we need to celebrate the new life that only comes in Jesus Christ? Anybody just really ready for Easter Sunday morning? Well, I want to invite you especially. 
I wanna invite you to come and to be a part of our Easter Sunday morning worship. In fact, we're planning it a little bit differently this, last, this year. Last year, I thought, well, this will be the only year we ever have to plan an Easter during a pandemic. Oh my goodness. This year is gonna be different. And I'm really excited about the way that God is just having these plans come together. What we're gonna do, we're gonna have Lord willing and the sun shines, we're gonna have all of our activities outdoors so that we can be one church, so that we can come together. For those of you that are worshiping with us right now online, some of you have not been into this building in the last year. Easter Sunday, we want to worship and celebrate outside as one church family so that those of us who have been worshiping here in the building and those who of us have been worshiping online can find safe, holy ground to come together as one church. Doesn't that sound exciting? Oh, you don't sound that excited this morning. Maybe you were excited on your couch, but doesn't that sound exciting? Easter Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm... I'm genuinely thrilled to get to say, he is risen, he is risen indeed, and to hear the whole voice of the Treveca community respond. And so Easter Sunday morning at nine o'clock, Crossbridge is gonna cater breakfast for us out in the parking lot. And then at 10 o'clock, we are gonna worship on Treveca's campus in the quad. So grateful to our partners at the university for making this space and inviting us to come into worship Easter Sunday morning there on campus. It's gonna be an incredible Easter Sunday morning. Be praying with me. I will be on my knees every day from now until Easter praying for good weather. Join me for that. But it's just gonna be a good day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. For this morning, as we get ready to receive tithes and offerings, however you're given that, if you're dropping it off on the, in the boxes on your way out or giving it online, responding with a QR code, however you're giving this, this morning, we trust that our God is a God who is bringing new things, new wine, breaking new ground, bringing new life, even out of the crushing and the pressing. So let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you so much for the new life that we see here at Trevecca Community Church. Lord, as we prepare ourselves this morning, as we prepare for the Lord's table, as we prepare in this season of Lent, we just ask that you would receive all the gifts that we come bringing today. We ask that you would gather them up, that you would gather them into your kingdom and that you would make them more than we could ask or imagine. And we will give you all the praise and thanks and glory because you are good. So we pray this in Jesus' name. And all your sons and daughters said, amen. Romans 12, 14 through 13, 10. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, be, but, but associate with the low who lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take through thought for that is noble in the sign of 
on if it is possible. So far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all beloved and never revenge. Never avenge yourself, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, say the Lord. No, if you enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. But, but for by doing this, you will keep burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with God. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists, resists authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you wish to have no fear of authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do what is wrong, you should be afraid for the authority does not bear the sword in vain. It is the servant of God to execute wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be subject, not only because of the wrath, but also because of conscience. For the same reason, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants, busy with this very thing. Pay to all what is due them, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, and honor to whom honor is due. Um, owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, I love you. married to an awesome man named Pete. We have a little boy named Carter who's almost two and we have another one on the way coming in a couple of months and uh, I work at a place called Mercy Multiplied. It used to be Mercy Ministries and it's a nonprofit here in Nashville. Uh, I'm the senior director of outreach there and we basically work with men and women of all ages helping them to find healing and freedom in Christ. Hey, I'm Laura, and I just graduated from Trebek Nazarene University, and I'm now at Fuller's Seminary Program. 
I, we just recently lost my dad to COVID a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, it's been so wonderful to have countless people reaching out to us, you know, and just telling us that they're sorry, that they're, you know, grieving with us and all of that. But it was a completely different experience and a whole different level of just experiencing love from people when we really felt like they were weeping with us, not even just weeping for us, which is also kind and meaningful, but when they were actually weeping with us in the midst of that, um, that was like next level of, of feeling loved and known and seen in the midst of just such a hard season. But then on the flip side of that, we're also in a season of celebration because we've got a baby coming and it's almost like the excitement and the joy in that is just deepened when there are people that are celebrating with you. And so it's just, I've, I've been thinking a lot about how having people who will weep with you and who will celebrate with you, it just adds this depth of like meaning and richness to life. Yes, definitely agree, resonate, like all of that is so hard. And so actually a situation that happened at work this past week at Kid Power, um, we had a student um, tell us that their mom told them that if somebody hit them, that they should hit them right back. And so even like communicating this passage to adults, it's like we're doing today is hard. It's hard to live out. It's hard to talk about. But then like it's hard to communicate to children. Like how do we moving forward? How do we make this a heart issue? But then how do we make this a heart issue that has been lived out where people are looking for your quick and fiery responses to things instead of genuine conversations was if I actually could approach those conversations that you're talking about from a place of of course I believe what I believe for a reason but is there a chance could I consider that I might not be right could I consider that having a conversation with someone who thinks differently than me, I could learn something from that. I mean, just approaching conversations with that perspective, I have to wonder if that would not change the entire climate, you know, today, if people would actually come from a place of listening and learning and seeking out the thoughts of other people instead of approaching it from, I know it all, right? And so, I don't know, it's just interesting to see that scripture in the midst of all of that. Um, I just love seeing the faces of our TCC folks. And how much do you love Molly Bradley nodding along with the scripture reading this morning? Wasn't that pretty great? I mean, she was really like, mm-hmm, mm-mm, mm-mm. So good to see those faces. Love God, love neighbor, this law of love that we are reading in Romans chapter 12 and 13, this law of love has many tunes. Now, last week, if you were with us in Romans chapter 14, you heard the call to be servants of the Lord before anything else that could possibly identify you. Before you are mother, daughter, wife, father, brother, friend, boss, employee, Nazarene, American, Republican, Democrat, Brentwood Land Rover driving Brentwood mom, or a Donaldson Prius driving dog dad, right? Before you are anything else that identifies you, you are a servant of the Lord. First and foremost, now I gotta ask, it's been a long week. Do you still believe that this morning? 
Let me ask one more time. <laughs> Apparently, it's been a really long week. Do you still believe that before you are identified by anything else, you are a servant of the Lord? Oh, good. I was hoping you would say yes, because if the answer was no, this was going to be a really awkward sermon. <laughs> we have to start with being servants of the Lord before we can hear anything else really in the passage that was read today. Before we can read this call to love our enemies and to overcome evil with good, to submit to authority, to pay our taxes, and to love our neighbor. Sometimes we can take this passage to the dining room table first. Y'all remember the difference between the dining room table and the kitchen table? Sometimes when we take this passage to the dining room table first, where we're sitting upright on our upholstered chairs, trying really hard not to drip cranberry sauce on them. When we take this passage to the dining room table where good, proper theologizing happens, we're tempted to read this as the Apostle Paul's grand political theology that clearly theorizes for us the proper relationship between church and state in every circumstance, everywhere. It just settles all the questions. But when we bring this passage over to the kitchen table, where people are figuring out how to pay their bills and What's going to be left over to put food on the table afterwards? When we bring this passage to the kitchen table where real life happens, I think what we hear is the voice of a pastor. He's trying really hard. Trying really hard to help the church work out how in the world the people of God are supposed to live the truth of the gospel in the power of the Spirit when the world is still ruled by sin. How do we do that? What does that look like? And I think that here, I almost hear Paul remixing the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5. Did anybody hear some really familiar things that Paul's writing that sounded a lot like some stuff that Jesus has said? It sounds to me almost like Paul is doing a remix of Jesus. You know what a remix is, right? There's a lot of great remixes out there. I, I read a Rolling Stones article about one remix recently. Uh, Dwight Yoakam. Anybody know Dwight Yoakam? Streets of Bakersfield. By the way, my parents are here this morning all the way from Bakersfield, California. All the way from the streets of Bakersfield. <laughs> so happy to have you here. Next week, you get to hear a sermon from my dad, Pastor Rob Songer. Very excited about that. Uh, Dwight Yoakam, who's known for this styling that uses a lot of fiddles and mandolin, a, a, a new kind of contemporary Bakersfield sound of country. Well, he was with his band in a recording studio one day when they heard the news that Prince died. And even though you can't imagine two different sounds than Dwight Yoakam and Prince, when they heard the news that Prince died, they were grief-struck. They had such respect for this artist whose genre was so completely different from theirs, but they had such respect for him that there in the studio that day, they just grabbed the instruments that they had and they remixed Purple Rain, which is just a classic Prince tune, right? They did a remix to Purple Rain, but instead of the blazing guitars, that you'd hear if Prince were recording the song. Instead, you hear fiddles and mandolins and, 
and this Bakersfield-style country that Yoakum is known for. Because that was what they had, right? They were just in the recording studio that day and they felt like they, they needed to do something to honor Prince. And, and so they laid down this Dwight Yoakam version of Purple Rain. And when he was interviewed about it, he said that he wanted to show what a timeless melody this was. That even with a different genre, new instruments, just the stuff that they had at the ready in a new place, that this song can still haunt you. Paul sounds a bit like he is remixing the words of Jesus here. With different instruments in a different setting, new government officials, new authority structures that he's talking about, we hear kind of a remix of some of the words of Jesus. Particularly, I think about Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 38, where Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, Do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give them your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? Do you hear some similar words there in the book of Romans? Well, then let's look at the gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 12, we hear Jesus talking about paying taxes. He's asked, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? Should we pay them? And Jesus knew their hypocrisy in asking this question, and he said to them, why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me see it. And so they brought him one. Then he said to them, whose head is on this and whose title? They answered, the emperor's. Jesus said to them, give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. Do you hear this remix here? Paul sounds a lot like he is remixing the words of Jesus. Jesus was talking in a very different setting and context. You could say he had, uh, he had different instruments at his disposal at the time, a totally different politically climate than the one that Paul was living in. In fact, there was a different emperor on that coin that Jesus would have held in his hand than the one that Paul was living under. In fact, let's just take a look at a little bit of the history of the emperors in ancient Rome. I think that this helps us to have a look. If anybody remembers the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, you might know that it was Caesar Augustus who was the emperor when Jesus was born, right? He, he was the emperor at the time of Jesus' birth. But then, during most of Jesus' life, it would have been Caesar Tiberius. And, uh, and he was also a Caesar emperor when Jesus was crucified. And then for a short time, there was Caligula. 
Then the emperor Claudius comes to power. Claudius is in power for most of Paul's missionary journey. In fact, Claudius is the one who is on the throne in Rome when the Jews are expelled from Rome. If you have been with us in this series, we talked about this the very first week, that Priscilla and Aquila would have been some of these Jewish Christians who were actually kicked out of the city of Rome and only returned later on. So that was the emperor Claudius. But when Paul sits down to write this letter to the church in Rome and deliver it via Phoebe, when he sits down to write this letter, there's a new emperor on the throne. And nobody quite knows what this new administration is going to be like because he's a young emperor and his name is Nero. This young emperor named Nero has just come to power. And initially, you know what Nero goes and does? He lets the Jewish Christians come back to Rome. And so there's a lot of hope that maybe this guy is actually going to be good to Christians. Maybe Nero, maybe Nero will be the pro-Christian emperor, right? There's even talk about him lightening up some of the heavy tax load that was on people like the Jewish Christians. There's a lot of hope that Nero might just be a better emperor than Claudius was. The jury is still out on his authority. And so when they're hearing this letter from Paul, understand that Christians are still sitting around Christian tables trying to work out, talk, and discern how they respond to this new authority, what it looks like to live as Christians under the authority of Jesus in the age of Nero. Now, at the very core of the gospel that Paul is preaching and that Phoebe is reading for them is the fact that Christ's death and resurrection begins a new age, and that is the age of the Spirit. And in fact, last week, I got to sit and hear Dr. H. Ray Dunning uh, teach on the book of Romans in the Agape class. So if anybody, if you want to know, clear up any of the stuff that I mess up this morning, go hear Dr. Dunning teach and it'll make it all make sense. It was so good. Such a rich lesson he brought to the Agape class. And Dr. Dunning, I hope it's okay. I redrew the same thing you drew on the whiteboard. Does that look familiar to you? Looks familiar? I I redrew that drawing that you gave us this last week. You see, at at the heart of the gospel message that Paul is preaching is the fact that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ ushers in the age of the Spirit. That there has been this age of sin and death where the power of sin has ruled over the earth, has had authority and dominion over the earth, But in Jesus Christ, now the age of the Spirit has come, right? And that ultimately God is making all things new and in the age of the Spirit, sin and death is defeated. But we live in this time between the times where Jesus Christ has has died and and been raised to new life and, and the age of the Spirit has actually broken into the age of sin. But the age of sin hasn't finally come to an end. And so we as Christians, we are living in the age of the Spirit while the world is still living in the age of sin. So you hear these Christians that are sitting around their kitchen tables trying to work out what it looks like to live in the age of the Spirit while we are still under in, in this world that's under the authority of the age of sin. These questions then remain about how Christians who are now under the authority of the Spirit, living in this new age, 
how they're supposed to respond to human authority, like governments, like Rome and Caesar. What does it mean for Christians who live in the age of the Spirit during the age of sin? And some at the time probably called themselves zealots. Some at the time would have said that Christians don't have to submit to these authorities. They don't have to do things like pay taxes because they live in the age of the Spirit. They don't live under the age of sin and death, and so they don't have to submit to these authorities. And they're trying to work out what does the melody of the gospel sound like remixed in this present age, in this present empire. Here's the deal. Jewish Christians had had a long history of defying authority. Read the book of Daniel. If you don't remember the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, where Daniel himself is thrown into the lion's den, you've got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were thrown into the fiery furnace, right? The book of Daniel, also the readers of this gospel at the time would have had the Maccabees revolt in their minds. They would have remembered that. And obviously these followers of Jesus know that Jesus himself was crucified on a Roman cross, right? Jesus was himself crucified on a Roman cross. And then you've got Paul, the one that's writing this letter, who himself has been imprisoned at the hand of Roman guards. So there's a long history of Christians and Jews defying authority. They've got a long history of this, and and they probably feel like, Jewish Christians at the time probably feel like they don't have much to gain by paying taxes anyways. They're not seeing much of the benefit of this glorious Roman Empire. The empire, in fact, has been pretty bad to Jews. They've not treated them well. In fact, the empire, you remember, is the one that kicked them out of Rome. So why pay taxes to a government that's treating you like this? Well, then you've got the Gentile Christians who are probably submitting and paying taxes, but then again, they've got it pretty good. I mean, look at Phoebe. Phoebe's a wealthy cloth trader. Her business is doing fine. In fact, she's able to travel freely across the Roman Empire without running into the kind of trouble that some of the Jewish Christians would have run into. In fact, that's probably the reason she's able to come and deliver this letter because she's not getting hassled out in the streets because she's a Gentile. And so you feel the tension that's in this letter between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. In fact, some Bible commentators speculate that the reason the Jewish Christians were kicked out of Rome under Claudius is because the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians could not get along. There was already infighting between the two, and so how do you bring peace and order when two groups are fighting? You kick one of them out. And that was how they created peace and order. And so then you've got Paul who like this group of Jewish Christians, he himself, he calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews. He identifies with the Jewish Christians. He's been imprisoned and beaten by Roman and Jewish authorities. And now he is compelling these Jewish Christians who in the Roman Empire are considered weak and vulnerable. He's compelling them to bless their enemies, to live at peace with one another, to associate with the lowly, to even care for their enemies, to feed them, to not be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. 
And then he tells them to be subject, to submit, be ordered under, is the Greek word there, the governing authorities. And that the order that they bring is actually ordered by God. Now, William Greathouse, who used to teach theology here at Trevecca, he says that Paul's not saying that God appointed and chose all of the leaders of government, but that God has ordered the existing governing authorities and finds creative ways to use them for God's purposes. So Paul is telling them to submit or order yourself under their authority, knowing that they are first and foremost ordered under the authority of God, that that's what they were created for, that that's their purpose. Now, it's hard for us this morning to hear just how frustrating this might have been for the early Jewish Christians, to hear maybe even how offensive it might have sounded for a first-century Jew to hear Paul tell them to submit to governing authorities and to pay their taxes. It's hard for us to hear just how controversial this letter would have become just a few years after Paul writes it when Nero shows his true colors and starts persecuting Christians. If you think that people get skewered today for something that they tweeted five years ago that didn't age well, I mean, imagine how people would have read Paul's letter telling them that governments are ordered by God when Nero starts feeding Christians to lions and using their bodies as torches to light his dinner parties. I mean, that line didn't age well. In fact, I bet that there were probably some Christians that would have liked to cancel Paul for what he had said in the book of Romans. Paul tells them to submit to authority, and this would not have been taken well. How could they say to submit to authority like Nero, this child emperor who hunts Christians for sport, who blames all of society's problems on the most vulnerable and marginalized groups in Rome? How dare he? But understand that Paul is one oppressed Jewish Christian talking to a group of oppressed and persecuted Jewish Christians. It's hard for me to hear this well and rightly. I mean, as, a, as an evangelical that lives here in America in the state of Tennessee, as a white college-educated mother of two, it's hard for me to hear. It almost is like the conversation that's really being had at the kitchen table between Paul and this group of Jewish Christians it's almost like a foreign language to me, if I'm being honest. Now, I don't care what you think about the current administration or the one before it. It ain't nothing like Nero and Rome. And people like me have still got it pretty good. Paul is concerned about these people's, about their well-being. He's concerned about the public witness of Christians if Jews and Gentiles start fighting again over their civil conduct. And he's trying to work out with them and discern how these Christians can possibly live together in peace to live to see a better day when we are a little bit closer to the kingdom of heaven here on earth. When the age of the Spirit has finally come to completion and there is no more sin and death. 
I was praying about this passage this last week and trying to think of how do we illustrate that today for people like me who this is a foreign language, this isn't the kind of conversation that I'm often having at my kitchen table. How do we illustrate this? I, I kept coming back to stories that some friends of mine have told me. Some stories that have happened at the kitchen tables of friends of mine. It's never happened at my kitchen table. My friends, they call it the talk. It's a talk that I've not had with my children, but it's happened at the kitchen table of many families, talking with their children about how to live to see a better day. Just trying to work out how to survive one day at a time to live to see a better day. And there's one movie that portrays the talk like this. Now, one day y'all gonna be with me and you best bet we gonna get pulled over. I don't mean I did something wrong. Maybe I made a mistake driving or maybe I ain't do nothing at all. You gonna see me with my hands like this on the dashboard. Come on. You keep your hands posted, because moving makes the police get all nervous. If I ain't with you, you ask for me. It can get real dangerous, so don't argue with them. But keep your hands where they can see them. His dad is working out real-life issues with his kids at the kitchen table. And he isn't condoning the racism that he faces in the world as a black man. This dad isn't approving of brokenness and sin in our world or our society that causes him to fear for his life. But he loves his kids. And his love for his kids, who have to also live in this world in their black bodies, out of his love for them, he's telling them, this is how you live to see a better day. This is how you maintain your dignity in the face of racism. This is the best way I know how to teach you to be able to live together to see a day where the kingdom of heaven is a little bit closer here on earth. You see, Paul, Paul isn't condoning the tactics of Nero. He isn't approving of violence towards Christians. He is speaking as one persecuted Jewish Christian to a group of persecuted Jewish Christians and he's saying, this is how we live to see a better day. This is how we maintain our public witness without devolving into infighting. This is the best way I know how to teach you right now in this day to live like Jesus in the age of the spirit when the age of sin is still wreaking havoc in our world. This is how we will be able together to see a day where the kingdom of heaven comes a little bit closer here on earth and the age of the spirit has defeated the age of sin. If you are in Christ Jesus today, you are living in the age of the Spirit. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are living in the age of his Spirit, and you are empowered to bless those who curse you, to associate with the lowly, to trust the Lord with vengeance so you don't have to take it upon yourself. You are empowered to feed and care for your enemies. 
You are empowered to owe nothing to this world but love. So love your neighbor as yourself. Because love is the fulfilling of the law. If you are in Christ Jesus, you live in the age of the Spirit. And that is the age of God's love. But this world we live in, this world we live in is still under the power of sin and death. Can you feel that? Can you feel the weight of that? This world is still under the power of sin and death, and yet we in Christ Jesus, we are living in the age of the Spirit. We are in this time between the times. And so how ought we as Christians to live in this world right now where we have the power of the Spirit and we live in a world that is still ruled by sin? How are we to live? These are the conversations that we desperately need to be having at our kitchen tables where we are working this out together. We need spaces to work out what it looks like to be a Christian in the age of the Spirit in a world caught by sin. To figure out what does the remix of faith in Jesus need to sound like in this time and this age. Where we get out the instruments that we have right now here at our disposal. We get out all of the sounds that we can make and and we fiddle around until finally we find a melody that sounds like gospel truth. Whatever you might think about this new stimulus package that just passed this last week, whether you think it's too much or too little, whatever you think about the new stimulus package, are you prepared to sit around your kitchen table and talk about how you are going to steward the check that shows up in your mailbox to love God and neighbor? Are you going to have that conversation? Whatever you might think about the vaccination campaign that's going on right now, will you sit around your kitchen table and talk about what it looks like to live at peace with everyone as much as it's in your power? Will you have that conversation? Whatever you might think about the Black Lives Movement or Blue Lives wristbands, will you sit at your kitchen table And talk about what it means to follow Jesus in a day where dads are still having that conversation with their kids? Will you have that conversation at your kitchen table? You see, we as Christians, we don't have to be afraid of those conversations. Because we are filled with the power of the Spirit. And when we're filled with the Spirit, that means that we know the melody of this gospel song. Because this melody, his name is Jesus. We have to find the most faithful way to play it with the instruments that God's given us right here and now. In this present age between the ages, the band's going to come up and they're going to play a song for us. A song that is a remix. It's going to be a really familiar tune, one that you have heard many times. You're going to hear this remix of a familiar tune. And this is a song where we have a moment to just sit and listen. Because you don't know the words anyways. This is your time to hear a remix of a familiar song and prepare your heart to come to the Lord's table. Prepare your heart to come to the Lord's table because it is the Lord's table that keeps us sounding like Jesus at our kitchen table. Check your heart this morning, all right? This is what we're making time and space for as the band plays. It's for you to check your heart today 
and to ask the Lord, oh God, am I loving well? Lord, am I loving even my enemies? Am I praying for those who feel like they are persecuting me? Am I praying for them? Lord, has my heart become out of tune? Has the pressure of this present age put the melody of my life out of sync with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And as you spend this time seeking the Lord, asking, maybe you need to find a place and a posture of prayer. Maybe even right here at these altars. Maybe making an altar there at your couch or your kitchen table. To find a place and a posture of prayer where you can be overcome. Overcome not by evil. Overcome not by the sin and evil of this present age, but overcome by the love of God that is transforming us even now. So let yourself this morning be overcome by that law of love. Because God's law is love and his gospel is peace. Would you pray with me as a band plays? Thanks for joining us this week. If you'd like to join us next Sunday for worship, We'll be having service at 9 a.m. in the sanctuary on campus, which will be live streamed to Facebook Live. For those joining us online, you will still be doing our virtual lobby at 8.45. Make sure to check out our other weekly podcast, TCC Conversations, which airs on Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Head over to our website for updated information on gatherings, on-campus worship, and other weekly resources. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you next week.